Praise God. Alleluia. Praise God. Alleluia. I'm excited. I'm excited. There are times when I'm preparing sermons and I'm just, I just scream to myself, really, because of excitement. I don't know about you, but God's word excites me. I really don't know about you. Yeah. When I was younger, sometimes when reading the Bible, I find myself falling asleep. <laughs> I was a child. <laughs> but later on, you just discover something that is... Oh, have you ever been, have you ever been in, in a situation where you've, uh, you've put a movie to watch Maybe just to kill time, and they're not, they're not paying attention. But later on, discover it's actually quite interesting. Eh? You know what I mean, right? That's how I watch almost all my movies. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's how I fell in love with the Word of God. At first, I was like, ah, you know, it's just something we do because I'm a Christian, so I'm supposed to read our Bible. But later on, you discover beautiful things in there. You know what I mean, right? Like you're digging somewhere, and then you know, and then you're, you're later on told, say, like, if you if you dig deeper, you find gold. You even receive energy. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like you've just been, like you've been, like like the Holy Spirit has just come on you, and you've received divine energy, because you know that when you dig deep, you'll find something that is precious, or that can change your life forever. And God's word can change anyone's life forever. And when there's something that I've come to the conclusion of really is that there is no person whom the word of God can transform. And there is nothing the word of God cannot change. Hallelujah. Yeah, there is no person, even the, even the people that you think are just the worst, like this one, there's no redemption for them. <laughs> or this one has just done too much. You know what I mean, right? Yeah, but when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to God, there is no one he can change. And there is no one he can transform. And if you are here, you've been struggling with transformation and whatnot, that, I'm here to tell you that God can transform your whole life. He can turn your life around entirely. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Even the people that are being used by God now, you'll be amazed to, to see how they were some years back. You'll be shocked. You're like, hey, no. They know these things. <laughs> but the Sawalu say. Praise God. Alright, so today I won't give a title of the sermon yet. If I don't give it, you'll see it on the podcast. So if I don't give it, the person who will be uploading, she just ask me what the title is and I'll give it. But I'll, expl- I'll just start teaching then. I think halfway I'll give you the, the, the sermon title. Or, yeah. So the first thing I'll mention is um, when we talk about words, I'm not talking about words, but I'll start from there. When we talk about words, really, um, words create vision. I want you to understand this. Anything you've seen was as a, was a word first before it was before it actualized. Even let's say uh, 
the creation of any building whatsoever. Someone described how they wanted to look. Okay? Before someone could actually even draw it as an architecture or something, before someone could actually even draw it, someone first spoke, described it, and it gave a vision to the person who wrote it down. I don't know if you understand. Even the whole world, God spoke before anything could grow. So words create vision. Tell your neighbor, words create vision. Yeah. So it means whatever it is you've seen in your life, it was first a word. And I mean whatever. Okay? There is nothing you've seen in your life that was never a word first. Either someone spoke it over you or you spoke it yourself. Or God spoke it. I don't know if you understand. So when we talk about... Uh, let me not get ahead of myself. Now, there are, there are three ways of seeing things, really. Three. Basically, three ways of seeing things. Number one, because remember I said words create vision, right? So it means how you see life is dependent on, on, th- on three things. Number one is what God has said. Now, maybe to help you understand better, when you... You meet, let's say, a, uh, a young man, for instance, right? Yeah. <laughs> you meet, let's say, a young man, and uh, maybe that young man has never really been complimented a certain way. I don't know if you understand it. Because some receive more compliments than others. The ones that receive compliments are answering. <laughs> or even young ladies, some receive more compliments than others. But generally, I, I should believe every person gets complimented one way or another. One way or another. It may not be for, it may be for what you do, how you look. You know what I mean, right? One way or another, people receive compliments. So now, imagine, let's say, a young man who's never been complimented a certain way about his looks and one day uh, maybe he has certain types of feelings towards a young lady and then she compliments him before he actually before he expresses anything she just compliments him (laughs) the way he will walk will change (laughs) you know what I mean he will feel like the Nishima at home is just not worthy he deserves to eat better (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you understand, right? Yeah. Or even just a young lady. Every guy can tell her that she's beautiful. But if it comes from someone that she holds a certain way, the compliment hits different. <laughs> you understand, right? So there's a way you will see yourself because someone told you something. Are you following? There's a way you will carry yourself because someone told you something. There are other people who believe they've got a career in music because someone told them, this is talent. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Because someone told them, this is talent. Like, when you, when you start this, bro, 
or my sister, when you go to the studio with this song, <laughs> someone spoke something, and then someone, because someone, listen, if someone tells you to say, look, oh, actually, with what you do, you can make money out of it. You will start seeing yourself as a businesswoman or a businessman. Because someone said something. So generally, we get to see ourselves, like I said, in three ways really. Number one, how, what God has said. And that's really the most important. Now, if a compliment from someone can make, can make you see yourself as pretty or as handsome, or as whatever really you want to see yourself, what more what God has said? I don't know if you're following. There are things God has said and it is your obligation to actually discover the words God has spoken over you. Okay? I want you to imagine this as well. Imagine, let's say you have, I think most people have got a best friend, right? Not everyone, but most people, I believe, should have a best friend. All right? Now, if let's say you discover that, okay, your best friend has told you, look, oh, I'm actually writing a book, and this book is actually describing you. <laughs> now, before anyone else could read it, you can read it, you want to see for yourself, yes. I want to see what this person has said. <laughs> or maybe not, not even, let's say, a best friend. If, let's say, someone just came over to your house and maybe spent a year at your house, it can just be maybe a, a friend or a friend to your sibling or someone generally comes to live with you for a year or six months or three months. And then they say, look, I'm writing a book or I'm making a documentary that just describes you. I think you'll be curious, right? You want to know what, 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 what in the world? did they say? <laughs> you understand, right? Now, God's word is a description of who we are. God's word reveals God, but it also reveals who we are really in him. And until we see ourselves from the lens of God's word, we haven't started seeing ourselves. Every image you have of yourself that is outside the word of God is false. I don't know if you understand. So the first way, like I said, it is how God describes, or we see ourselves based on what God has said, right? The second way is we see ourselves because of what, um, I'll give you scriptures for this, by the way. Right now, I'm just explaining. The second way really is how Satan sees you. Now, this one is interesting because just like God will will see a certain way. God sees you a certain way. Satan also sees you a certain way. And God will speak to you based on how he sees you. Satan will also speak to you based on how he sees you. Remember, Satan goes in the wilderness one time and he finds Jesus fasting. And then he tells him, say, look, if you are the son of God, turn this, this stone into bread. Don't you think for Satan to say he, he knew that Jesus could do it? Because you can't tempt someone over things they can't do. Because Satan can't come to you and say, look, oh, uh, if your name is Shan Shan, you can just put your name there. If your name is Shan Shan, appoint this one as minister of, minister of Shan Shan. See, <laughs> he knows you don't have the authority to do it. <laughs> you understand, right? He will go to the person who he knows can actually do it. So Satan goes to Jesus and tells you, look, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself from this building. And the angels 
will hold you up. He knew, he knew that Jesus could actually do it. That means every, even every, every temptation, really, that we, that we, that we face, so something, it's every temptation we face, we can bear it. There's no temptation that's too much. <laughs> now, nah, there's nothing like that. The Bible actually says God can't God can allow temptation to come to you. That is, that is what, that's, that's beyond what you can handle. That's what the Bible says. So there's a, there's a way Satan sees you. And now, the, the, the amazing thing is this. Both God and Satan will use words to communicate how they see you. Are you following? It means, that is why there are certain people, for instance, if let's say God, God will come to them, right? Or God will, will visit you, or God will speak to you through his word, or through a dream, or through, through whatever reading. God will speak to you and tell you of your greatness. All right? He will tell you of what you can do, of what you can achieve, of what, of, of, of all the, the, the potentials that are in your spirit. God will reveal it to you. Now, when Satan comes, he also comes with his own words. You know what they're trying to do there? God is giving you a picture. Satan is also trying to give you a picture. What you see is what you walk in. There are two pictures. What you will see is exactly what you walk in. So if someone comes to you and tells you, say, look, I don't think, I don't think business in this entrepreneurship is not even for everyone. You know? As in a lot of people have tried this and they have failed. People have, you know what I mean, right? Someone is speaking to you like that. But what if God told you to start it? Someone will come with statistics <laughs> of why it can't work. <laughs> so, what you begin to see, some, so sometimes, sometimes what happens is this. In that moment, remember, even in the, in the book of Genesis, when Satan went to, to, to Eve, all right, he asked Eve, I'm paraphrasing, so what, what really did God tell you? And then Eve said what she heard from her husband. Because remember, God never spoke to Eve about that. He spoke to Adam. So, then Satan really asked Eve a question. Did God really say? When Satan said that to Eve, thoughts are going in her mind. Because Satan told her, look, God knows that the day you eat, you will become like God, knowing both good and evil. <laughs> you understand, right? Now, I think that brought curiosity in her mind. Let's try this. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah, and sometimes what happens is, is, is a lot of people actually face the same, the same temptation. God will say something concerning your health. God can say something concerning your mind. God can say something concerning your career. God can say something concerning even lesser things like marriage. God can say something. He's given you a picture. It means for you, your eyes should be on the picture of what God has said. What happens is Satan will now come to question what God has said. And when he, when he begins to question what God has said, he's trying to give you a picture. And the moment you focus on what he said, that moment when you, are, when, you, when you start allowing doubt in your heart, mm, can this really work? But God said it. Why are you seeing another picture? I don't know if you're following. God spoke and gave you a picture, created a picture through words. Why are you seeing something else? 
all of a sudden you feel like you can't do it. Because someone talked you out of it. How can someone talk you out of what God has said? Know what I mean, right? Yeah. You see yourself in a dream, maybe. You're praying for people who are sick and they're recovering. You wake up, there are people who are sick around you. The moment you try to pray for them, <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> you are not even the colleague in your life, sir. <laughs> you shy away. You are seeing what Satan is, is, is speaking to you, not what God has said. And the quality of your life is based on what you see. Now, the third way is how you see yourself. Because remember, this is how God sees you, how Satan sees you, how you see yourself. Now, how you see yourself is far greater than the, two, the other two. Because even if God sees you as great, if you don't see yourself great, you won't be great. <laughs> even if God sees you as healed, because that's what he says in the scriptures. But if you don't see yourself like that, you continue being bound by Satan. So how you see yourself is actually very important. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. So you need to start training your vision. Training your vision. How do you see yourself? Sometimes you start looking at yourself in the mirror. Just, just call yourself what God calls you. I don't know if you understand, right? Call yourself. Call your business what God calls it. It can start off, it can start off as a cantemba, but if God sees there as a shopping mall, speak to it like that. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. It can start off very small, but the moment you begin to see what God sees, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah. You can start off, as in, you, you can even start off, let's say, even in your school, you can start off with a diploma, but if God is showing you visions of, of rising to, 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 the, to, to, to the top of the corporate world, See yourself like that. Are you following? Let's go on. Maybe let's read some scriptures. Job. The book of Job, chapter number 16. Chapter number 1, rather. Verse 16. The book of Job, chapter number 1, verse 16. The book of Job, chapter number 1, verse 16. Job 1, 16. The Bible says, while he was still speaking, maybe let's start from, um, chapter number 6, rather. Sorry. Job, chapter number 1, verse 6. Job 1, verse 6 to 12. Job 1, 6 to 12. So highlight it in your Bible or write it down. Preferably write it down and highlight. Job chapter number 1, verse 6 to 7, to, to, to 12. The Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Now the sons of God here talking about angels, all right? All right? Are we together? So it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before uh before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. So the sons of God, many angels, they went to present themselves before God. And the Bible says, Satan was actually among them. 
at that time. And then he says, uh, verse 7 says, And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come from? From, from, from where do you come? And then, so Satan answered, answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. In other words, he had nowhere to, to stay. Just looking, you know, wondering. You know what I mean, right? Yeah, like those people just wander in town. Cairo Road, cha-cha-cha, city market. <laughs> um, verse 8 says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Now remember, God asked a question to Satan. So where, where, where are you from, right? And then Satan answered. Then God said, Have you considered my servant Job? In other words, someone can keep you busy there. Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth? Imagine God describing you like this. This is not a description for me from his mother. The mother can describe him like this. There's no one like you, my child. <laughs> You're the prettiest child I have. The mother, your mother can say a, a, a lot of you know, nice things about you, right? Because that's your mother. But God had a testimony of Job saying there's actually no one like Job on the earth. Imagine it. And then it says, when um, verse what? Verse 8, right? A blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Alright? And then uh, verse 9 says, So Satan said, uh, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around, around him? around his household, in other words, God had protected Job, and around all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all, and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. It's an interesting conversation. <laughs> and then verse 12 says, The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your, is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on, on his person. So Satan went, went out from the presence of the Lord. Now maybe to explain a bit. The scenario there can't happen today. It's not possible. Okay? So don't think Satan goes to ask for permission now. I think the reason I'm going this is because God is had the conversation. They should just frustrate my academics. <laughs> that can happen now. Okay, I can explain that another time. But that happened. Anyway, let me not go to get into all, the, all those details. Now, God had the testimony of Job. Imagine God saw Job to be like no one on the earth. It says this, this one is blameless. In other words, if, even if you try to find fault in Job, you won't find it. That's what God, talks, that's what God described Job as. And then Satan also had a view of Job. Say, look, actually, the only reason this guy actually doesn't fear God. So it's, it's like, let's say, People who say, nah, the only reason why this one is, is wealth is because they were born in a rich family. <laughs> Not even, eh? It's like they're trying to say, look, oh, the reason you're like this is because there's an advantage. You get right? That's what Satan was trying to use on job there. And then God said, oh, that's what you think. Please, feel free. Try him. And the Bible records Satan did whatever he could. Even Job's wife. Told Job, said, Look, just case goes out, you die. 
God had a view. God saw Job a certain way. Satan saw Job a certain way. Job acted based on how God saw him. I don't know if you're following. Job acted exactly as God saw him, not how Satan saw him. Let's read more scriptures. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 17. Genesis chapter number 17, verse 5. Genesis chapter number 17, verse 5. Genesis chapter number 17, verse 5. Or maybe let's just read him from verse, um, from verse 1, yes. Genesis chapter number 17. Genesis 17 from verse 1 to 5. The Bible says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Lord God. I'm the Lord God. Walk before me and be blameless. So Abraham, Abraham was, was, was our old year? 99, right? Right? According to the Bible. It says, so God appeared to him and said, Walk before me and, and, be, uh, and be blameless. And then he says, And I will make... So God is, telling, God is telling Abraham here what he will do. I don't know if you're following, right? God begins to tell Abraham what he will do. Say, look, and I will make a covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And he says, then Abraham fell on his face and talked and talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant, uh, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father, uh, shall be a father of many nations. So God told him, you shall be what? You shall be what? Follow this. And then verse five says, no longer shall your name be called Abraham but you shall be called Abraham. So, what is this? So, at first, God tells him, look, you shall be a father of many nations. And then he changes his name. And he says, look, no longer shall your name be called Abraham, but Abraham. And then he says, for I have made you a father of many nations. Have you seen that? He says, I have made you a father of many nations. So, look, Abraham there wasn't even a father of a, of a single child. He had no biological child. Yet God says, I have made you a father of many nations. God, it, it shifted from saying, I will make you, to I have made you. <laughs> I don't know if you understand it. It, it. it was no longer a promise. It happened. But well, did it happen physically in that moment? No. But God spoke it. Say, look, I have made you a father of many nations. It means it was Abraham's job now to see himself as the father of many nations. It was no longer God's job to do it. God says, I have done it. There are many things God has already, that, that God has already, has already done. Your job is to see yourself what, uh, according to what God has done, not what God will do. <laughs> a lot of people are living in the realm of a promise of other things God has already done. There are things God has done and it is your job to actually discover them. And when you discover them, find out, has God done this already? If he has, then what is my role? What, what exactly am I supposed to do with what, with what God has done? Imagine after God told Abraham that, imagine if Abraham went to God and made it a prayer point, God, make me great. Make me a father of many nations. Would it have made any sense? No, because God already said, Look, I have made you. I have made you already. And the Bible talks about Abraham saying, look, even as he grew older, he was not weak in faith. He believed on him who, say, who, say, who, say, who spoke the word. 
Are you following? So there are things God has already done. Let me, let me show you one, for example. If you're a believer, this applies. Colossians chapter number one. When I discovered this scripture, I was amazed. I was amazed. Maybe the scripture I'm about to show you, maybe for some of, some of you, it will be too good to be true. <laughs> none of those, on one of those things, right? That's too good to be true. Or one of those, like, when you imagine certain things that are just too good to be true. You know? <laughs> just imagine you're walking and someone just gives you a large sum of money. <laughs> Too good to be true. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 21 and 22. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 21 and 22. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 21 and 22. Are we there? Are we there? I want to hear everyone before you there. Right. So Colossians 1, verse 21 and 22. The Bible says, And you who were once alienated. So you were, right? Meaning you are no longer. Are you following? It says, And enemies in your mind. By, by wicked works. Yet, now he has reconciled. I don't know if you can see that. Alright? So at first, you were, you, you were an enemy in your mind because of the wicked works. Because of the sins you, you, you committed. Verse hmm. 23 says, in the body of his flesh through death. In other words, we've been reconciled in the body of his flesh through, through death. And then he says, to present you holy. He's simply telling you how God will present you to the how Jesus will present you to the Father. Hmm. He's not saying, look, while on your way. <laughs> Say, this is how you present. He will present you holy and blameless. You know what it means to be blameless? There's no fault. <laughs> this distorts the, 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 the theory. No one is perfect. How will God present you blameless if you're not perfect? Remember, the quality of your life depends on how you will see yourself. If you see yourself as blameless, you walk blameless. But if your mind, you are seeing yourself all, as long as we are in this body, we will see in every in that formation the following day. Every morning you keep saying, oh God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Why? You keep messing up because of how you are seeing yourself. If you dress a certain way, for instance, it's assuming let's say it, it, it has rained outside, there is mud everywhere. All right? And then you dress a certain way. Maybe you're like, you know, even those white canvas, you know what I mean? Or oh, my Air Force white, they even look very clean. You, you, you'll be mindful how you step on the ground, right? I can't walk there because there's mud. The moment this Air Force just goes in the water, the <laughs> whole drip is ruined. <laughs> you get the point, right? So you'll be cautious of how, how you walk because of how you're dressed. That's how it is even when it comes to living right. When you become cautious of what Jesus has done, when you become cautious, you have to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. God says, Jesus sees you as holy and blameless. Now, the question, oh, but what, what, what of the sins I committed yesterday? Did you ask God for mercy? What, when, when you did, blameless. Now, that is not to say, like I said, like I told last week, you go back the same way. No. No, listen. How you remember what I explained? How you see yourself is depending on how is according is how you start living. If you see yourself as dirty, you will live dirty. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Even let's say when you're doing house tours, there's certain things you say, Oh, I forgot to do that. If you haven't dressed a certain way, you will go up and do it. 
But if you've dressed, you've bathed, you even know you're about to go out, you're like, ah, this can, this can be done another time. <laughs> what is the difference? How you're dressed. You're cautious of it. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so let's, let's go and read. <clears throat> it says, to present you holy and blameless. And then it says, and above reproach in his sight. <laughs> it's what God is saying. And that's how God looks at the believer. Remember what I said? There's the way God sees you and there's the way Satan sees you. Now, this is how God is seeing. I'm showing you what God sees in this moment. This is giving you a vision of how God sees you and how God sees your life. It means your role now is to begin to see yourself like that. Now, will Satan come and try to question this? Yes! Did God really say you're blameless? Know what I mean, right? You find yourself with weird thoughts. Ah, I'm blameless. <laughs> you understand, right? Yeah, but how, how is God seeing you? Let me show you another thing. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Maybe before I show you, imagine, let's say, the way David was. Won't read all the scriptures now. David was anointed as king. All right? We've read the story of David, right? Or we've seen it in the cartoons, right? David was anointed as king. When he was anointed as king, did he get the kingdom after that? No. Another man was in the kingdom for many more years. But when David was walking, God was seeing a king. Everyone else was seeing a shepherd boy. God was seeing a king. That should tell you, it doesn't matter how everyone else sees you. It's exactly how God sees you. And see, David knew he would be the king. So, was trying to fight him left, right, center, on every side. He tried to kill David many times. In fact, David had opportunities to kill Saul. David could have killed, oh, let me kill this guy, sorry, let's take over. Because David had chances, right? There were many chances to, to, to kill Saul, but David didn't. He said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. So David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Did, did it reduce anything on David? No. He was still king. He lived based on how God, see, David knew, look, listen, I'm anointed, this guy can't kill me. This guy can't kill me. And that's why when you read the, the, when you read the, the story of Saul, I, I think Saul is someone that amazes me. Like, it's something that every believer must be very careful with. Saul was this guy, he was a king. Remember, Saul was also anointed by God to be king, right? Remember that, right? Saul was actually anointed by God. And what happened with Saul? Because <laughs> Saul reigned over Israel for 33 years. Do you know how long was Saul was with God? Three of the 33. God was only with him for the first three years. After that, God left. Yet Saul was still reigning. <laughs> God took the kingdom to David when Saul was still in power. And that's how a lot of, a lot of believers see. Sometimes, 
The fact that someone has stopped coming, to, has, has stopped serving in the house of God, and has stopped being committed to God, and they are still prospering, that means God is with them. But how come this, you know, they are? Just watch, <laughs> right? Yeah, let me show you something. One of my favorite scriptures. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 verse 18. I love this scripture. Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter number 3 verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. God's word gives you vision as well. Gives you vision. That means when you, when you take in the word of God, you must start seeing yourself the way God sees you. See yourself as, as God sees you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, so start seeing yourself as God sees you. So if God sees you as blameless, see yourself as blameless. And you will live a life that is blameless before God. Alright? It says you actually... Anyway, let, 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 let me read. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 16, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. The Bible says, But we all... Say, but we all. Say, but we all says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of God. You guys are distracting me. Just sit. Ines, go back. This shouldn't happen again. Are we together? Thank you. Not today, not ever. So 2 Corinthians 3 verse, verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, I didn't say it after. <laughs> says, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of God. Now, maybe let me explain to you what this means. The Bible says, But we all, with unveiled face, says, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of God. The easiest way of explaining it is this. When you have a mirror before you, what do you see? Answer. We've all seen ourselves in mirrors before, right? So when, when you have a mirror before, especially if it shows your whole body, or even just your face, what do you see? I don't want to answer. What do you see? Some of you looked at yourselves in mirrors this morning. Others, even before they entered church, they went to church to the bathroom first. To look at yourself, just to check. It says, beholding as in a mirror. But you know what the Bible is saying there? Instead of seeing reflection, the Bible says, you're seeing the glory of God. I thought when I look in the mirror, I'm supposed to see myself. But the Bible says, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God. It means when you look at it, it's talking about exactly how you see yourself there. And it's talking about God's word there. And then it goes on to say, Beholding as a mirror the glory of God are being transformed into, into the same image from glory to glory. In other words, you are being transformed into the image you are seeing. What's that image? God's glory. In other words, when you look at, when, when you look at the glory of God, you are being transformed into the very image. Your whole being is being transformed into the very image. 
No part of you is being left out. Every part of you is being transformed. Every part of you. There's a transformation that takes place when you look at yourself in the word of God. Because God's word is his glory. Are you following? God's word. I said you are being transformed into the very image. And that is why the example I gave you at first. If someone gives you certain compliments, you begin to see yourself like that. You will carry yourself the, 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 the same way. It reaches a point where there's no one, there's no one who can talk you out of certain compliments. Because you've heard it over and 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 over, you begin to see yourself like that. You may not have seen yourself like that, but the moment you, you, keep, you, kept, you kept hearing it, kept hearing it, all of a sudden, even your eyes just change. Maybe what they are saying is true. I don't know if you're following. Your job is to begin to see yourself like that. So beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God. Beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God. So when you look at the scriptures, what do you see? What do you see? When you read the Bible, what are you seeing there? Or are you just seeing a story of David and Goliath? <laughs> are you just seeing Moses parting the Red Sea? No, but what do you see? Do you see yourself in the scriptures? When the scriptures are talking about the believer, do, do you see yourself there? Or are you one who, who, who's just made up your mind, really? Or you've just, re, like your mind is made up to say, look, oh, when the Bible is talking about these ones, you don't include yourself. When the Bible is talking about the righteous ones, ah. <laughs> you, the only scriptures that you, you can write is that there is none righteous, not even one. <laughs> when you see that, ah, description of me here. <laughs> For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, Lord. <laughs> it says beholding as in a mirror God's glory God's glory God's glory when I look at when I look at God's word I'm seeing God's glory and the Bible says we're being transformed into the very image and then it says from glory to glory from glory to from glory in other words our journey starts from glory yeah don't subscribe to those statements not from grass to grace no for us it's from grace to grace we don't start from grass. It's grace to grace. Glory to glory. Faith to faith. Strength to strength. That's our journey. And that's the life of a believer. That's the that's life God has called us to. And your job, like I said, is to begin to see yourself like that. And if you don't see yourself like that, you won't walk like that. You won't live like that. Let me show you more scriptures. All right. Verse, oh sorry, Romans chapter number 12. I've read the scripture several times in this ministry. Romans 12 verse 2. Romans 12 verse 2. Romans 12 verse 2. Romans chapter number 12 verse 2. The Bible says, And do not be conformed to this world. Say, don't be conformed to this world. Tell your neighbor, don't be conformed to this world. Yeah. It says, don't be conformed to this world. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Now, when the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, it's simply talking about don't, don't align yourself to the, way, to the ways of, of how the world does things. Don't align yourself to those things. And then it goes on to say, it says, um, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you, that you may prove what is, good, uh, what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So it says, but be transformed. In other words, when the mind is renewed, there is transformation that takes place. 
There is no, there, there is no transformation and, and, until there is mind renewal. You can't experience transformation if your mind has not been renewed. And your mind needs to be renewed. Even as you come to church, even as you study the scriptures, even as you are praying, your mind has to be renewed. And when you talk about renewing your mind, we're simply referring to how you see yourself now. The mental picture. What, what is your mental picture over your destiny? What is your mental picture over yourself? What is, what, how exactly are you seeing yourself? If you, if you see yourself, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Is that how God describes you? Is that how God describes you? But your mind has to, your mind has to get to that place where, where, where you, you are renewed entirely. Every part of you is renewed. And that is when transformation comes. Praise God. Yeah, so that's the first thing. In order for you to see yourself the way God sees you, you must actually renew your mind. That's very important. You must renew your mind. There are people who've concluded they will never... I think for me, I don't think it's possible for me to ever stop drinking. They've concluded. Ah, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I don't think it's ever possible for me to be committed to one partner. Concluded. <laughs> but you can renew... Your mind has to be renewed. See yourself the way God sees you. How, how, how has God described you? I gave you an example earlier saying, look, if your best friend or someone wrote a book about you describing you, you'll be curious to read, right? Yeah. you want to see what they've said. And that's the curiosity you must apply when it comes to the scriptures. What has God said about yourself? What has God said? Oh, I'm facing challenges in this area. Oh, what has the word of God said? Oh, I'm struggling to grow in this area. What has the word of God said? Oh, my mind, uh, my, my mind is, is, is experiencing these, these things. What has the word of God said? What has God said? Ask your neighbor, what has God said about you? Let them give you an answer. <laughs> give your neighbor, what has, give your neighbor an answer. What has God said about you? I want to hear you give your neighbor an answer. <laughs> what has God said about you? <laughs> you must know what God has said. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, you must know what God has said. That's very important. Because, remember, I told you, words create vision. When you know what God has said, you have a certain vision for your life. You have a certain vision for your life. You will know. Look, for me, the goal is this. Is this. For me, I'm supposed to walk like this. Praise God. So, renew your mind. That's the first thing that you must do. You must renew your mind. The second thing you must do. I'll show you more scriptures of, of how God sees you, all right? And I'll, I'll, end, I'll, I'll end in that light. But for now, let, let, let me say, the second thing you must do is that you must begin to, you must begin to talk the, way, the, the, the things God has said about you. In other words, what, your, your words must reflect the words that God has spoken about you. Praise God. Yeah, your words must reflect the words God has spoken about you. There must be a reflection between what you say and what God has said. Let me give us above the man, the man called Jesus. In John chapter number, in John chapter number um, 14, verse 6, Jesus said something that we all know, we've all heard. He said, I am the way, the truth, and finish the script. I am the way, the truth, and yeah. That's what Jesus said, right? So, 
Jesus knew what God had said about him. And he was confident to declare it boldly. Boldly. He was bold about it. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Very bold about it. He wasn't timid about his confession. Jesus wasn't scared to declare who he was. No, what if I declare this and then it doesn't work? What if I declare this and then I, I, I experience something different? No, you must be bold about the things God has said about you. You must be loud about it. You must go on the rooftops and begin to declare what God has said. Gee, if the word of God says I, I, I'm the light of the world, then you must begin to declare it that way. If the word of God says you're a city on a hill that can be hidden, it means that, that's how you begin to speak about yourself. Not someone is, someone is complimenting how well we are doing. Ah, we are trying. We are not trying. You must speak what God has said. There's nothing humble about denying what God has said. That's not humility. That's actually being pride. You, you are smart. Ah, no. It's not even that. We just... Uh, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> People try to be humble about it. Humble about, about the things God has said. Why, 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 why are you shying away over the things God has said? Why aren't you saying the things he said? And don't reduce it for anything or for anyone. If God has said something, you must say it exactly how he said it. How following? Yeah. And there are some. This, this sounds very humble for some, but let, let, me, let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you. This is a funny one. God can show you, God can tell you to say, look, oh, uh, you will begin to do this by this time. Maybe let's say we tell you, look, oh, maybe in the next, in the next five years or in the next 10 years, you will, you will rise up to this position. And then one, maybe one time you're having a conversation with someone, what, what are your ambitions? You said, ah, by God's grace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> God willing, I, <laughs> I won't comment about that statement. <laughs> why not say what God has said? No, why not, why not say, look, if let's say, for example, you're in politics, you're starting off as the as word counselor, starting off, but God has revealed that you'll be president. If someone asks, what are your ambitions? I want to be president. Mm-hmm. I will be. Mm-hmm. That's what you mean, pride. Mm-hmm. Was it going to be pride for David to call himself a king? No. It's going to be pride for everyone else. And that is why I always say this. People who are confident in what God has said, they look arrogant sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because everyone wants to be, you know. <laughs> it's like how people imagine Jesus, eh? <laughs> how people, sometimes the Jesus in people's minds and Jesus in the Bible are two different people. <laughs> When you read the Bible, this Jesus we are dealing with, he was bold about who he was. Maybe let me show you one, one thing. That, something that Jesus said. In John chapter number 11, verse 25. John 11. So it's the story of Lazarus. When Lazarus had died. Maybe start reading from verse, uh, verse 20. John 11, verse 20. John 11 verse 20. So here 
um, they had called to Jesus to come and pray for Lazarus before he died, right? Remember that, right? And then Lazarus, Jesus actually delayed by a few days. And if Lazarus had died, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Now for Lazarus. What? And then he says, verse 20 says, Now Martha, as soon as he as she heard Jesus, as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had come here, my brother would have not died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Confidence, right? And then verse 23 says, Verse 23 says, Jesus said to her, your brother, your brother will rise again. And the Martha says something that was quite humble. Says, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. <laughs> now, was Martha wrong here? <laughs> and then Jesus said something. <laughs> Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection in the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus wasn't, trying, wasn't agreeing with Martha there. Jesus was bold enough to declare what he, who he was. Say, look, oh, you're waiting for the resurrection day. I am the resurrection. In other words, what you're waiting for that day, it is I am he. <laughs> I am he. And because he saw himself a certain way, there were results that followed. The Bible records that when Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, the only thing Jesus said, he says, Father, thank you for you hearing me. There was no fasting. There was no binding. I rebuked the spirit of death. Nothing. Jesus just simply went to the grave and just said, Father, thank you for you hearing me. And then he says, open the grave. He says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus came out. Vision. Vision. Jesus was, was, was busy declaring who he was. When they were hungry, look, I am the bread of life. <laughs> you see, he was not humble about it. He was not quiet about it. He wasn't turning it down for anyone. Even when they couldn't handle it. Because when Jesus said those things, the Bible records that everyone left. They left. What is this guy saying? He's the bread of life. Ah, blasphemy. <laughs> They left, but did Jesus change his confession? No. He was consistent with what God has said about him. He knew who he was and he spoke it. You are afraid of declaring that you want to be a CEO of a company one day just because you work in a certain company. No, there might be a... You see, you see, <laughs> I, don't want to be, I don't want to be fired, you know. You're behaving like that, like your, like your boss is Herod. You know how Herod, how Herod reacted? When he went, you know, there was actually a king who's been born. A king. <laughs> ah, Herod went just to kill every baby. <laughs> every baby, just kill. <laughs> no, you must, you must be bold about it. The Bible, the Bible declares that you've got the mind of Christ. The Bible says, the Bible declares that God has given you a sound mind. Sound, you know what that means? It means you're not dull. You see, it means even if, even if, for instance, you might have failed an exam, but the Bible says you've got a sound mind, you must begin to declare that over yourself. Praise God. When you declare that, you begin to see yourself, oh, I have a sound mind. I've got the mind of Christ. I think the thoughts of God. I think divine thoughts. I don't think human thoughts only. My mind receives divine thoughts. 
You see yourself like that. You begin to talk like that. Once your mind is renewed, your language changes. You speak differently. Praise God. You speak differently. The Bible, the Bible shows that, that actually, when, 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 when the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is actually self-control. Right? It means for you, you've got the fruit of the Spirit. You, can't, you just can't be saying, me, I lose it. I always lose it. No, you don't lose it. The Bible says you've got self-control. You begin to speak what God has said about you. You begin to speak. And until you learn to speak what God has said, you won't walk in it. You will not. Praise God. Yeah, everything God has said, you must begin to say it. Everything God has declared, you must begin to say it. You must be declared over yourself. Declare it over your health. So, renew your mind. Secondly, talk it, right? Yeah, you must speak it. <laughs> like I said, don't, don't be like Martha. You know, take a humble answer. Yes, I know, Lord. On the resurrection day, he will rise. <laughs> If Jesus was that bold, we must be bold as well. Tell your neighbor, be bold. Tell your neighbor, be bold. Yeah, let me show you a few things now. Of how God sees you. <laughs> Luke, I love this portion of scripture. Luke chapter number 10. Luke 10 verse 19. Luke 10 verse 19. Luke chapter number 10, verse 19. Luke chapter number 10, verse 19. The Bible says, Behold. Behold simply means you see, right? See. In other words, behold. Remember, vision. It's giving you vision here. It says, Behold, I give you authority. <laughs> I don't know if you are, you, are, you are catching. It says, I give you authority to trample on scorpions and on serpents. And then it says, And over all. The power of the, of the enemy. And it says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This was Jesus talking. He's, you see, remember when Jesus, when, the, when God rather spoke to Abraham, says, look, I have made you a father of many nations. God wasn't saying, I will make you. He says, I have made you. Jesus there is not saying, look, I will give you. He says, I give you. <laughs> he says, I give you. In other words, when God looks at you, he's not seeing a man or a woman without authority. <laughs> he says, I give you. I give you. In other words, if I tell you, look, oh, I give you this pen. What's your job? And walk. If I tell you, oh, I give you this money. What's your job? Get. I give you. What's your job? Get. He says, I give you. In other words, God has given that you that authority. That authority is in your hands now. He's given it to you. It says to trample on scorpions and on serpents. It says, and over all the power of the wicked one. You know what that means? In other words, when the power of the wicked one comes, it's an opportunity for you to trample on them. It's not an opportunity for you to call on someone. No. It's not an opportunity for you to call. No. Oh, pastor, let's agree on this. No. It's an opportunity. No. Oh, Lord, the power you give me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For I'm trampling on all this. It says, I give you. I give you. Tell your neighbor, say, I give you. That's what he's done. He's given it to you. You have it. You have it. Don't pray for more power. From where? He said, you have it. You have that authority in your spirit. You have it with you. It's in your hands. It's in your spirit. Your job is to use it. You can't use it if you don't acknowledge it. 
You have to acknowledge I have power. I have power. You must declare that over yourself. I have power. I am not powerless. I have power. I have authority. Praise God. Do you know, do you know the, the most beautiful part about authority? <laughs> Listen. If let's say you are driving on the road, all right, no matter how tough you are, if you meet a police person and they, they, they stop you, even if they look like the, the weakest person, <laughs> you will stop. You know what I mean, right? Even if, let's say, it's someone, if, let's say, assuming, let's say, the youngest person here is assuming, because I know the people who are way younger, assuming, let's say, the youngest person here is 20, all right? If there's a 20-year-old in a police uniform, there's a 55-year-old man driving, and that police person just said, mm, sir, stop. You can't say me, I'm, I'm, I'm your father figure. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Someone as young as my child, you're stopping me. You will stop. Why? Authority. When you're dressed in authority. There is nothing, listen, doesn't matter how everyone else sees, 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 sees you. When you are dressed in authority, everything begins to respond. Authority says, I give you. That's how God sees you. When God looks at you, he sees authority. And that is why sometimes when believers are crying to go, oh God, come and heal this person. Oh God, come and do this. Ah, but God looks at you, look, but I gave you authority. I gave it to you. <laughs> you have it. Tell your neighbor, say you have it. it. No, tell your neighbor again, say, like you believe it, tell them saying you have it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't walk like a man or a woman without authority. No, no, no. Refuse to walk like a man or a woman without authority. In your, in your career, in your, in your, at your workplace, refuse to live at your school. Refuse to live like a person without authority. Praise God. Yeah. It says, I give it to you. And this authority, the Bible says, you, you trample over all. In other words, there is no power of the wicked one that you can't trample on. <laughs> no, there is no. As in, there is, there is nothing that you can't trample on that is from the wicked one. There is absolutely. You see, in other words, even if Satan was to come with his, with, with his entire bandwagon, he was to invite all his choir masters or his choir members. Say, look, let's go and frustrate this one. They team up. Know what I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. Like they team up. The Bible says you shall trample over, over all. <laughs> all. All means all. Even whether you're taking the Hebrew or the Greek, all means all. <laughs> all means all. What have you allowed? Have you allowed some things to just escape the all? Ah. For us, we can deal with this, but not that. Let me show you something else. I'm showing you how God looks at you. Like I said, your job is to see yourself like that as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, you must see yourself like that as well. <laughs> this, another one, very important. Romans chapter number, chapter number 8, verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. <laughs> Romans chapter number 8, verse 1. Romans 8, 1, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Tell your neighbor, there is no condemnation. 
says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. says who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Maybe let me explain this better. <laughs> when the Bible says there is no condemnation, not... <laughs> Remember at first I showed you that the Bible says we're blameless, right? What? What happens with a number of people is this. There are people who will stop praying because they've messed up. Others stop coming to church completely. Know what I mean, right? Others will start praying, but the moment they start praying, flashbacks of everything they've done come in their mind, like a movie, you know? You know those Nigerian movies, right? <laughs> Dramatic scenes. <laughs> you remember all the text messages we've been sending? <laughs> <laughs> so there are some people who are like that. What happens for such is Satan fights them through condemnation. There are people who who are not condemned by God, but Satan will bring condemnation in their spirit. In other words, he will, he will try to make you feel like, like you are not worthy to pray. <laughs> like prayer is for others, not you. Or, <laughs> when you hear certain people pray, like, okay, for me, yes, I can pray, but the things I have done are too much for me to even speak in tongues. This mouth <laughs> can't speak in. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Condemnation. In other words, there are a number of people who get fought. Like Satan will use condemnation to bring people down. And <laughs> do you know that condemnation is worse than sin itself? It's worse. There are other people, I remember I saw, I saw a picture of, um, maybe some of you have seen it, of two kids who, were, who won awards. One person, uh, one person was, was happy because I think, they, I think one, one person came out number five or something and they were excited about it, you know. That person came out number one and they were not happy. Because the person who came out number five told them, so Lucius is a smaller number. <laughs> now, sounds funny. <laughs> so the one, who came out number, the one who came out number one was crying there. The one who came out number five was busy with their, with their card, excited about it, you know what I mean? Right? Showing it off. I've beaten this one. Someone was made to feel like they've lost when they actually won. And that's what happens with a number of believers. Someone will start feeling as though, look, mm, mm, I can't serve God. <laughs> the mess is too much. See, the Bible says there is no condemnation. In other words, for those who are in Christ, let's so, so talk about the whole world. Okay? Talk about those in Christ Jesus. Not those who are born again. It says there is no condemnation. What does it mean? It means. In the eyes of God, you're not condemned. If a child, you've birthed a child, 
and the child has fallen on the ground and then they've become dead. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Answer. Someone says beat. <laughs> you get the child and clean them up, right? That's what God does. You see, a lot of people think God is this, is this bully who's just waiting, like waiting for an opportunity for you to sin. And then when he catches you, <laughs> When he just catches you, then ah, you're gone. There's now no repentance for you. Yes, I've caught you. <laughs> no. God's plan. And this is the gospel. This is the gospel. And sometimes when we teach, when we preach the gospel to people, sometimes people just can't believe it. When you tell someone, say, look, actually, when you receive Jesus, everything you've ever done is erased. Ah, no. Simply because you can remember him. It says there is no condemnation. So you must begin to see yourself from the lenses of God. See yourself from the eyes of God. God doesn't see me condemned. In other words, if thoughts of your past come to your mind when you're in prayer, that's still said so there's no condemnation. Remember how Jesus. In the, when he was being tended of the devil, he was quoting scripture to Satan, right? You can quote it as well. When Satan comes to bring certain thoughts in your minds, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He will live. That's a blow to his head. <laughs> he will live. And that is why you must, you must, you must preach this, this message to, to everyone around you. Get born again. When you get born again, the Bible says this. So this, this is what the Bible has said about you. See yourself as one who is not condemned. And you will live like one who is not condemned. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You must see yourself right. See yourself right. The third thing that I'll mention, and in the interest of time, I think I'll, I'll stop on that one, is First Peter. First Peter, chapter number, chapter number two, verse twenty-four. Chapter number two, verse twenty-four. First Peter, chapter number two, verse twenty-four. First Peter two twenty-four. The Bible says, "Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the uh, on the tree." Now, when the Bible says he bore our sins. You know what it means? To, it's like he carried them on your behalf. It's like if you're carrying something heavy. Maybe some of you have been in this situation. You're carrying something very heavy. And then someone comes and gets it away from your hands. How do you feel afterwards? Relieved. You know what I mean, right? So someone is bearing the weight of what you are carrying. So the Bible says he bore our sins. In other words, the, the punishment of the sins of the believer. He says he bought them. In other words, he carried them. So meaning the weight of sin should never be in the hands of the believer. Are we together? He bore them. And then he says, uh, that we, having died to sins, <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's a, that's a beautiful part. He says, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. And then he says, by whose stripes you were 
by whose stripes you were? The Bible said, then said, by stripes you are going to be healed. It says you were, past tense. <laughs> In other words, you were healed before you got sick. When you discover it, when you get to know it, there are certain things that will never trouble your health. Never. So when God looks at you, remember, he says, by whose stripes? In other words, the stripes that were, that, that were on Jesus, right? Those stripes, says, by those stripes you were healed. In other words, when those stripes were being put on his body, God was seeing healing. God was seeing healing. There are people, and sadly even believers, even let's say, I'll use this example. Even let's say when they hear that, ah, this side, there are certain diseases that are just, you know, contagious in a certain way. The believer will run. Like, they've been hiding. I don't want to die. It says, by whose stripes you were healed. It means, let me teach you a secret. It means, even when you're praying for the sick, when you're praying for these people or someone who's sick, don't see a sick person that God is going to heal. That's a wrong vision. So sometimes people don't get results. They were healed. See a healed person that you're bringing the message to. You're simply transferring what has happened to their body. Are you following? It means even yourself, if there's something that is afflicting your body, you stand on the scriptures. It says, by whose stripes I was healed. I was, I was, I was, I was healed. I was healed, I was healed. Therefore, I refuse to have this pain in my body. I refuse to have this headache. I was healed a long time ago. I refuse to have, this, to have, this, to, to have these gases. I refuse to have, to, to have these in my, I, ref, I refuse to have all this in my body. Therefore, you begin to see yourself the way God sees you. You begin to see your health the way God sees it. And that is your role, really. That is your role. Praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet.